Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Lorenzo Elizondo. I don't know how many of you were here when I came. Was it last year or, or the year before that? I don't know when it was, but it's my joy to be with you all here today. Honestly, it is such a blessing for me to, to get to be here with you today. Uh, I planted a church 10 years ago, my wife and I and our family in the area of Oak Cliff. It's called Life Point Church. You guys have been a great help and a great support to our church for uh, for quite a while now, and we're grateful to the Lord for that, for that partnership that we had. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for you all. Honestly, it is a joy to see you all today and to be here with you today to share God's word with you today. I love this place. I love this church. Um, I may have heard about this church before most of you probably because I was actually on the assessment team for Eric and Heather when Eric was applying for Acts 29 Network when Mission Church was still just an idea. And I remember we sat down and we talked about this concept of this idea of why there needed to be a church in Forney and uh, hearing that story and hearing all of that and, and just seeing the story and the journey, how the church, um, when the church started, where the church is today, I just want to congratulate you and commend you all. And I think we should give the Lord one more round of applause for that exciting piece of news that Jake shared this morning. Man, it's awesome. Congratulations. You should be excited about that. Like... I probably would have ran around the church, you know. I come from an old Assembly of God background, so running is okay with us, all right? Uh, but uh, in all sincerity, I congratulate you. It is something incredible that you should take great joy in. Today, I'm going to preach from the Word of God out of Nehemiah chapter 6. So I'm going to ask you to just turn there with me, Nehemiah chapter 6. Um, and I just I want to... I'm, because of time, I'm not going to go uh, uh, as much detail into every particular verse of this passage, but I think we will still be faithful both to the context and to the direction that God is sharing from his word today. Would you please allow me to pray? Uh, let's do me a favor. Let's, let's stand for the reading of the word together. We're going to read verses 1, 2, and 3 together, and then we'll pray and we'll get started. Uh, give you a little bit of a moment to find that Nehemiah chapter 6 verses 1, 2, and 3. And today I'm preaching on the subject entitled Press On, Press On. And I want you to uh, let that drop down into your spirit, into your heart this morning, deep, deep into your mind, and to be reminded today that God is calling you and calling me, all of us together, to continue to press on to do the things that God has called us to do. The word of the Lord reads like this, Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1, 2, and 3. Now when Sambalit and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, notice that word enemies, heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up the doors in the gates, Sambalit and Geshem sent to me saying, Come and let us meet together at Hecapharim in the plain of Ono, but they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers, and I sent messengers to and I sent messages to them saying, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? Let us pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you, God, for your word and for your truth. Thank you for your presence here with us this morning, Father. Thank you for this beautiful church. And God, we just thank you for the mercy and grace that we experience in your son, our Savior, Christ Jesus. Father, we are so grateful 
for all that you've done and for all that you're going to do. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us now, that Christ would be lifted up on high and that he would be glorified in our midst. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, you may be seated. You may be seated. I'm a, I'm a kind of a talking preacher. What, I, what that means is I don't mind if you talk to me when I'm preaching, okay? So don't get nervous if I ask you a question and be like, what? You know, kind of like that Scooby, like what, what did he just say? You know, because I, I, I sometimes will ask you stuff and it's okay to respond, right? Uh, and when, when I'm with my African-American friends and their churches, they respond without me asking them, right? And when I'm in, in, in uh, Hispanic churches, it's kind of a both end, right? When I go to mainly my Caucasian friend churches, they nod. Yeah. <laughs> they nod, right? Uh, but it's all good. So I'm excited, man. I, I, is it okay if I talk that way with you guys? I feel like I'm at home, right? And so I, I love you guys, sincerely do. I pray for you often. And I would be remiss if I didn't tell you the truth that um, I'm fully aware of the transition where your church is. Fully aware. I don't, I'm not fully aware of the details, but I'm fully aware of where you are as a church. And so I've been praying for you. I've been praying for you. And I feel that this word is from the Lord for you today. I mean that with all my heart. And, I, and I, I want you to hear this because I want you to understand that God is not finished with you. God is not finished. God is always working. And sometimes even in moments when we can't understand what he is doing. Sometimes when it seems and we ask God why and we don't know the direction and we don't hear his clear answer. But here's where we can rest. is that God is good. And that God is always working in our midst for, his, for our good and for his glory. And I know you know that. I just want to remind you of that today. Any, I don't know if there's any 70s kids in here. If you were born in like in the 70s or older or before that, you don't have to raise your hands. But if you're a 70s baby like me, I know because you're like this, like, hey, right? But if you're like a 70s baby like me. You grew up back in the days, there was a famous saying, keep on trucking. I don't know if anybody says that anymore, but back in the 70s or prior, there was a, a saying, they sold caps and t-shirts, and they had a dude taking a wide step, and he was basically keeping it moving. And the idea was that no matter what happens, rain, shine, sleet, or snow, you're going to keep it moving. You got to keep on trucking. You got to keep on going on. And I just want you to know, Mission Church, that there is a very, very real adversary that wants to distract you, that wants to discourage you, and that wants to stop you from doing the work that God has called you to do. But just like that phrase and just like that saying, you got to keep it trucking, you got to keep it moving, you got to keep pressing on. Opposition to the work of God, surprises in the work of God, distractions and discouragement and all these things, they're, they're par for the course. This is what God has called us to do. And in every work that we do in advancing the kingdom and spreading the gospel and seeing that the work of God is done, that the name of God is glorified, that Jesus is lifted up on high, there will always be opposition. There will always be discouragement. There will always be things that come our way to try to distract us and stop us. And I'm not talking about just in the church building per se, the congregation I'm talking about within your home, within your marriage, within your children, with what God has given you and called you to do. Some of you, maybe you're waiting to finish your degree. Some of you, maybe you're waiting to take that next step with your family. Some of you perhaps are waiting to make a decision in business and you have all these things that are coming and for some reason, we listen to doubt, discouragement, and distraction. And instead of moving forward in what God has called us to do, we press hold and we stop. Not because we are obeying God, but because we are afraid that God has abandoned us or forsaken us. 
But what is it that causes us to respond in this way? I often think about the Apostle Paul when he wrote uh, the epistles of Scripture, right? I remember when I was a, a younger believer and studying the Bible, and I would sit there, my mind would get like blown that Paul actually wrote this, right? When you start realizing like how the Bible comes together and all this stuff, and I'm learning the, 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 the context under which Paul wrote, and I'm sitting there thinking, I was like, man, I wonder what Paul did next. I wonder what Paul did next. And as I'm studying the story about Paul, not just from the text, but the history, and I noticed and one of the things that struck a chord in me that I'll never forget as a young believer is that my professor said these words. He said, Paul did what was next. Paul did what was next. He got up and he kept moving. And I want you to hear that this morning, that in this life, short of heaven, you'll never arrive. And every day, regardless of how high the mountain peak, how great the victory, or how low the valley is that you may feel in defeat or loss, discouragement, you know what you do the next day? You keep pressing on. You keep moving. As a pastor, one of the things that you get to do is you get to celebrate some of people's greatest moments, their marriages, the birth of their children, their baptisms, uh, their great achievements, and you're also there in the darkest hours, the loss of a loved one, the tragedy when it comes, the bad news of a, a diagnosis of a doctor. So you're there to cry and you're there to, to, to weep and you're there to celebrate as well. But you know what? God is always there. God is not only always there, God is always before us. God is always at work in the midst of us. And what I want to share with you today is to keep moving, to keep pressing on to keep doing what God has called you to do. Don't get distracted. Don't get discouraged. Don't look to, to the side. Keep focused on the Lord and what he has called you to do. So how do we do that? The first thing that we need to do is the scriptures that we read this morning. We see that Sambalet and Tobiah and Geshem were coming now and they had heard about the work that was going on that Nehemiah and the people of God were doing. Now here's what I want you to know, that you have an adversary. If you didn't know that, you need to write that in your Bible this morning. I have an adversary. I know that you know that, but some of us, we forget that. You know why? Because we live in a very insulated world. Our life seems to be good because it's protected, we feel. It's protected by insurance. It's protected by a, a, a financial plan. It's protected by maybe you live in a gated community. Maybe you live in a good neighborhood. Maybe your children go to good schools. Maybe you and your wife are protected from the craziness of your family. You know, all of us have crazy in our family, right? I mean, all of us do. And maybe you're protected from that uh, as a wife. Maybe you feel you're protecting your husband from his old crazy friends. Or maybe you're protecting your wife from her old crazy sisters, whatever the case may be, you feel that you're protected and insulated. But the truth is this, is that we have an adversary that is always working to destroy us, always working to discourage us. And it is no different for you. It is no different for this church. We have a very real adversary that wants to come against us and stop the work of God. Stop the work of God, not just around us, but watch this. More importantly, more importantly what God is doing in you and through you. Obviously, he cannot stop the work of our righteousness, of our right standing with God. But as our progression, as we obey God, as we fulfill the mission that God gave us to do, this is what he tries to come to impede. And don't be surprised when opposition shows up. Sambalit, Tobiah, and Geshem had heard about what God was doing. Now notice who they were. They were enemies, enemies. 
These were enemies of the work of God. They were enemies of what God was doing. They were enemies because they were opposed to what God had told them to do. And brothers and sisters, you have to understand and realize that not every news that comes to you is good news. There are some people who want you to stop what you are doing. There are some people who want you to stop advancing and moving forward and accomplishing what God has called you to do. But as we said in the beginning, you need to keep pressing on. Now here's what happens. He says that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it. We're in verse two. He says, although up to that point, I had not set up doors at the gates. Now, that's the end of verse one. Now watch this. Here's what we need to see. This is something for us as leaders right now to recognize, and this is important. Nehemiah does something really good here. He sees the good. He sees the good. Man, we built the wall. I don't have time to go into Nehemiah chapter 1, 2, and 3, and 4, and 5, but it's the calling that God gave Nehemiah. Nehemiah comes. Everything's in ruins. You know the story. But up until this point, Nehemiah, they had built the wall. Something had been waiting for done for hundreds of years, waiting, and now the wall's rebuilt. The wall is rebuilt, and they're there, and the wall's rebuilt. And notice what he says. He sees the good in that. He sees the good, but at the same time, he also notices that there are no gates. Very important. As a leader, as, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a brother or sister in Christ involved in the mission of God, two things. Always be aware of where we're at, what is going on, and, and celebrate that. Like today, we celebrated what God has done here with this church, right? There's the building, the property that you guys have gotten. That's wonderful news. But at the same time, what is yet to be done? What is yet to be done? And, and if you're working in the mission of God, one of the most important things to do is to be a realist about where we at. We can't just celebrate the high without being aware of what's yet to be done. Neither can we be on the other way where we only notice what's yet to be done. And I, I guarantee you that in a church of, of our sizes, the things that we face through, the things that we go through, there's always work to be done. But that doesn't mean that you can't celebrate what God is already doing. So it begs to ask the question, what is God doing in your life that you are grateful for? What is God doing in your marriage that you are grateful for? What is God doing in your world right now today that you are grateful for? Not just the things that are yet to be done, but what is good in your life right now. How has God worked in your marriage? How has God worked in your school, in your job, in your career, in your home, in your families that you can say, man, this is good, and yet at the same time, this is what's yet to be done. Verse two, Sambalit and Goshen sent to me saying, come and let us meet together at Heck of Ephraim and the place of Ono, but they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Brothers and sisters, do you see the work that God has called you to do as great, as great? You know, when people stop working, when they don't think it's important any longer. And, and I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm gonna tell you like we tell the people at our church, you have to be called to be here to enjoy what God is doing here. And enjoy, what I mean is, not that we just partake in the festivity, but do we also enjoy struggling to advance the kingdom together? Because the church is a family. It's not just a group of people that walk into a building to meet together for an hour or two, but it is a family that struggles together, that cries together and celebrates together to see the work of God advance together. And here, here the opponents of the work of God come and they say, hey, let's have this meeting together. 
But Nehemiah knew something. He said that they came to oppose the work. They were coming just to stop the work. And he sent messengers to them. He said, I cannot meet because what I am doing is great. Are you easily distracted from what God has called you to do? See, when we stop seeing that what God is doing is great, and this is a great work that you're doing here in, in this community, in this city, in this part of this world that God has called you to, to shine the light of Jesus, there are still neighbors and families and schools and communities and people and churches that need to be planted out of what God wants to do right here. The men and women who gather, the men and women who worship, the men and women who are still saying, God, I, I, may, not know, I may not like everything, I may not understand everything, but one thing that I know for sure that I'm going to do, I'm not going to get distracted, I'm not going to be pulled away when the enemy comes to call me off what God is doing. Why? Because I understand that the work that I'm doing is a great work for the kingdom of God. And you have to see that to understand that the work that we do is a great work. Now, some people might be saying, man, Nehemiah is really not doing a great work. What he did before, now that was great. Now, you may not know about Nehemiah, but here's the deal. Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. Nehemiah rolled with the VIPs, if you will. Nehemiah, everywhere he went, he sat at that table, okay? I mean, he had first name basis with the king. Everybody's like, hey, king, can I talk to you? Nehemiah was just like, yo, king. King's across the room, he goes, yo, what's up? Right? I mean, they were tight like that. They were friends, right? Don't drink that. I haven't tasted it, right? I mean, they were close. They were close. And now where's Nehemiah at? In the middle of rubble, in the middle of poverty, in the middle of nothing. You know what he gets every day? Hard work. You know what he gets to do every day? Sweat and work among people who are conspiring against him. He's got trouble inside, he's got trouble outside, and he's got to worry about the well-being of the people. See, some people say, what he did before, man, that was the life, the palace life. Are you kidding me? That's the life. But see, Nehemiah understood something. He understood what God had called him to do. And when you understand what God is calling you to do, where God is calling you to do it, it's a great work. It may not be great in the eyes of men, but it is great when we honor our great God, regardless of the price, regardless of the sacrifice. I want to encourage you, keep pressing on. The great commission is worth it. Advancing disciples is worth it. Planting churches is worth it. Reaching families is worth it. Discipling children, training students is worth it. The gospel being preached is worth it. The church celebrating communion together is worth it. Giving and striving and working hard and moving forward and learning and adjusting and fixing and praying and trusting and waiting and listening and hoping and celebrating and crying and mourning and celebrating again. All of that is worth it. Why? Because God is in our midst and we are fulfilling the job that he has called us to do. But look, notice what Nehemiah said. He said this. He said, I am doing a great work. And look what he says. He, he responds to them. And I cannot come down. Brothers and sisters, when you understand that, what God has called you to do, that will be your response. I cannot come down. I cannot come down. But you know what some people do instead? When we don't see our work as great, when we listen to the enemy that comes to distract us, to discourage us, we start saying, man, maybe what I'm doing is not so good. 
Let me try to see where it's better. Maybe it's better over here. Maybe this is better for me over here. Maybe this is better for my children. Maybe this is better for my marriage. Maybe this is better for this. See, there's one problem with that. And I'm not saying that as husbands, fathers, you do not look for the well-being of your family. Mothers, you do not look for the well-being. I'm not saying to remain in an unsafe, unhealthy, uh, unbiblical place. But here's what I will say. It's not always better when you are not doing what God has called you to do. Better is when we are obediently following Jesus. You don't think people would have told Nehemiah, dude, it was better where you were in Susa with the king. But Nehemiah said, no, that's not better because this is where God has me. Convenience does not mean better. Comfort does not mean better. Cushion does not mean better. Applause does not mean better. Simplicity does not mean better. Comfort, liking, preference does not mean better. Better is obedience. Better is passion. Better is sacrifice. Better is walking with Jesus in spite of the difficulty and obeying him no matter what comes our way. And then we begin to say, I cannot come down. I cannot come down. See, it's not about what men, how men see the work. It's about how do you see God through your work. It's not about whether you get the applause of men. It's about is Christ applauded because of the work that you do for him. And so I want to encourage you today. Don't come off. Keep moving forward and do what God has called you to do. Now look at verse 4. If you still have your Bible there. I'm sorry. Um, yes, verse 4. He says this to them. And they sent to me four times. Somebody say four times. Four times. Look at me. The enemy don't stop. He'll go away and he'll come back. Four times. Consistent opportunity for discouragement. Consistent opportunity to walk away. He said, and he says to them in verse 4, and they sent to me four times in this, in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. My boy said, it's, uh, same answer. I'm not coming. Great work, and I cannot stop. Keep reading. Look what he says. In the same way, Sambalit, for the fifth time, sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. Now, open letter, let me tell you what that means. Open letter means this is public. Anybody can read it. It's like somebody posting your business on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever, right? Or they wrote it, and they say, here, read it. Check it out. I got it all right here. Just look at it. Read it. Right? This is what is going on. This is a public letter, and these are outside enemies that are trying to discourage the word of God. So they've come once, they've come again and again and again and again. Every time he tells them, I cannot stop what I'm doing, and here they come again. Now it's an open letter, and it's with an open letter in hand, and it was written. He said, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it. So this is what he's saying. We have another outside source. And this is what he says, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you are rebuilding the wall. You are building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. And, and now the king will hear of these reports. So now come and let us take counsel together. So what is he saying? He's saying, look, I got this note. And, the, and, and not only that, we're, we're, what are they doing? They're fabricating false news about him. They're fabricating lies and they're making this story up. And he says, the king's going to hear about this. 
See, that meant trouble for Nehemiah. Although Nehemiah got the permission of King Artaxerxes, the king it was his friend, but it doesn't mean that if the king all of a sudden felt that this was true, he could send messengers. The very messengers themselves could have Nehemiah killed, or they could bring Nehemiah back to Susa and kill him there. It was a very real threat. And here's what I'm trying to tell you, that sometimes uh, the adversary comes in the forms of threats to you. What are you afraid of when it comes to the enemy? What is your greatest fear? Is it the fear of losing wealth? Is it the fear of losing your marriage? Is it the fear of losing children? Is it the fear of losing maybe your past coming to light? Is it the fear of people knowing what you did years ago? Is it the fear of people finding out what you really struggle with, what you're addicted to? Is it the fear of being known of what you've done? What is it, what is it that fear that when you hear it, it stops you in your tracks? Because this is what they wanted to happen to Nehemiah. They wanted him to hear this news, and they wanted him to freeze, and they wanted him to stop. What is it that Satan can whisper to you that makes you want to stop in your tracks from following Christ? Here's the good news of the gospel today, that it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. There is no sin too great that the, that the work of Christ on the cross has not covered already. That is our hope, and that is our joy. And like Paul says, if we live, we live for Christ. And if we die, we die for Christ. So whether we live or whether we die, we do it all for Christ. See, that's the comfort that we have when we follow Jesus. That's the comfort that we have in knowing that this world is not our home, that the possessions that we have is not what make, that gives us viability or credibility in this world. The size of our home, the, 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 the logos on the front and the back end of our cars, the year model of our cars, the clothes that we wear, none of those things are what validates us. What validates us is Christ in him alone. And no matter what report, no matter what dirt, no matter what what false news, no matter what accusation, no matter what trouble, no matter what discouragement Satan tries to bring your way, we can be reminded and rest assured that Jesus Christ has paid for it all in the, on the cross and through his blood and by his work, we are now hidden in him and our life is in him and we live and we move in him and he is our hope and he is our joy and we rest and we trust in him. That is our joy. Amen. Yes, let's give the Lord a round of applause. So what do we do then? What do we do then? And here's what happens again. Look, look, look how he responds again. I believe this is verse 9. He says, then I sent with him saying, here's how you respond to that. No such things as you say have been done. For you are inventing them out of your own mind. You know how you respond? With the truth. With the truth. When you hear accusation, when the enemy comes against you, whether that's through another person or in the form of a spiritual attack, you know how you respond with the truth, the truth of the gospel, the truth of what is going on in your life, the truth of who you are in Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, what am I trying to say with this? Is don't stop. Keep pressing forward. There is always opportunity for the enemy to try to come to distract you, but move forward. Then he says to them, uh, uh, verse 9, for they all wanted to what? Frighten us, thinking that their, that, their hand, that their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, oh God, look at these words, strengthen my hands. That should be our prayer. Strengthen my hands. Why does God need to strengthen our hands? 
Because the work that we're doing cannot be done by human strength alone. You cannot lead your family well just on your own strength. You cannot do the work that God has called you to do as a husband, as a father, as a mother, as a wife, as a son or a daughter, a brother or a sister, a missionary, a pastor, an engineer, a construction worker, whatever that you do for a living, wherever you work and whatever you do, we do not do it in our own strength. More importantly, we realize two things. Number one, that the enemy wants us to drop the work from our hands. He wants us to freeze and stop. But number two, the way we continue is by trusting and hoping in the Lord. Where is your hope and your trust today? Where is your hope and your trust today? Here's how you know. If you would just think for a moment and say, what is it in my life that I am most afraid to lose right now? What is it that would stop me to reconsider what I am doing? And the answer should only be Christ. And listen, here's the good news. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to, when this news comes, we miss it, and we fall, and we fail. And this is why Jesus came. Because when we fall, and when we fail, like we will, here's why we can continue. Because Christ came. You see, just like Nehemiah had come to rebuild the walls of the city, Nehemiah came to lead the people back to their promise. Nehemiah came so that the people would have safety and security. Nehemiah came to rebuild the hope for the people. Nehemiah came so that the people could be reestablished again. You see, but Jesus came not just to build the walls of a city, but he came to rebuild us as part of his family. He came so that what the Satan had destroyed in our life, Christ came to redeem and to rebuild in us. So that when our hope drifts to other things, we can cry out to Jesus and pray, oh Lord, strengthen my hands. Why? Because his hands were stretched out on the cross. There Jesus died. There Jesus shed his blood. There Jesus breathed his last breath. There Jesus not only paid for our sin, but the Bible says he became our sin. Why? So that we might become the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. And that is our hope today. This is why as a church, we press on. This is why as a church that we continue. This is why as a family, we don't stop and we don't come down. Why? Because we follow Christ. And Paul says that nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing, not death, not persecution, not suffering, not heaven, nor angels, nor demons, nor hell. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Why? Because in him, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. That is good news for us today. So no matter what you're facing, no matter what you go through, no matter what you've been afraid of, no matter what Satan has brought or will bring or plans to bring that causes you to want to stop, that causes you to want to step down and look aside, today we can pray and we can call out to our Savior and say, Lord, strengthen my hands today. Lord, strengthen my heart today. Lord, strengthen my family today. Lord, strengthen my calling today. Strengthen my faith today that I will not lose sight of the work that you are doing in me, that I will not lose sight of the work that you are doing in my family, and that I will not lose sight of the work that you are doing here in our church and our family together and in this city for your glory. Let's press on together and follow Jesus, our conquering king. Satan could not stop him. Death could not stop him. The grave could not stop him. And then he said these words, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Stand to your feet with me, please, and let us pray today. 
Father in heaven, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for your promise today. God, I pray, Lord, that we would strengthen, that our hands would be strengthened today, God. I pray that we would be reminded of the work of Jesus on the cross today. I pray, God, that today that we will see and that we will be reminded, Lord, that, uh, that we serve a great God. Lord, and I thank you, Lord, that, uh, that today you remind us that even though opposition comes our way, even though trouble may come our way, God, we're reminded that even in that, Lord, that you are good and that you are working in us and through us, Lord. So, Father, I pray today. I pray for renewed joy and for renewed strength. I pray, Lord, for a renewed commitment, Lord. I pray that in our spirit and in our hearts, we would say the words, I cannot come down. I'm doing a great work. I'm doing a great work, and I cannot stop. Lord, strengthen Mission Church. Strengthen every family, every brother, every sister, those that call this church their home, God. Lord, their best days are not behind them. Their best days are ahead of them, Lord. I thank you, Father, that we do a great work, not because great in the sight of men or the applause of men, but because we are obeying you, Father. We're called to do your work that you sent us to do here in this city, here in this area, Lord. Help us to be faithful to do that together, Lord. Lord, I pray for the leadership of this church. I pray that they would be strong, Lord. I pray that more than ever, they would rest and trust in the gospel. I pray, Lord, more than ever that the family of this church together would unite and be stronger than ever. That they would continue to move forward, Lord, in times of transition. Lord, in times, Lord, of, of uh, but yet it is a great time to look forward. Lord, it is a great time, Lord, if they, as they have paused and looked back and, Lord, and, and the dust has settled, Lord, and they're making plans to move forward, Lord. It is a great time to be hopeful in what you are doing. Lord, we thank you for all that you have done. We thank you for all that you're going to continue to do as well. Lord, not just corporately as a church family, but individually, Lord. Husbands and, and wives, sons and daughters, homes together. Lord, I thank you for businesses and homes, Lord. I thank you for college students that will be graduating and elementary to junior high, junior high to high school, high school to college, Lord. I thank you for houses that will be bought, neighborhoods that will be transformed, community groups that will reach their neighbors and their friends, Lord. I thank you for disciples that will be, uh, that will be made, disciples who make disciples who make disciples, churches that will be planted, work that will be done around the globe because there is a family here together that is hoping and trusting in you and their hope is in you alone and they've said it in their heart and they've said it in their mind I'm doing a great work and I cannot stop and that we will continue to press forward in all that Christ calls us to do we pray this in the name of your beautiful son Christ Jesus let us all say amen God bless you